Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Financial Father and Son podcast where we explore the various ways the younger generation can achieve financial independence. Today we have a really, really interesting guest. His name is David Cleveley and he is a serial entrepreneur who has founded some incredibly interesting organizations. To name a few, we could say Abcam, Cambridge Network and Analysis. The conversation we had today was really, really interesting. I learned so much myself, so I'm sure you guys will learn something too. So get a piece of paper, a pen, and be ready to take some notes because there's a lot of impactful information in this episode. And a lot of the information shared is not what you'd commonly expect someone like David to say. I'll leave it at that and let you listen to the rest of the episode. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hi guys, Jay here. As usual, I'm joined with my dad, and today we have a special guest, Dr. David Cleveley. First of all, thank you very much for being here. I do appreciate your time. But if we could start with a, a very brief you know, introduction to who you are and what you've done in the past. Thanks, Jay. What, what I've done is build a number of companies and then discovered ways of doing basically networking, business networking, and then combine both of those things where I've use the networking that I built to um, help build companies and, and develop things further. Um, so, for example, I, I started a consultancy company uh, where your dad worked uh, for a little while, um, and I then helped start a company called Abcam, which um, sells antibodies over the web. Um, it's got a market capitalization now slightly more than half that of Rolls-Royce. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a reasonably si- reasonable sized company. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I've started a few other companies and sold them. And then I started these networking organizations like Cambridge Network and Cambridge Wireless. Um, I've done some work for the university, the Center for Science and Policy, connects up governments, policymakers with academics and other experts. Um, one of my recent projects is um, looking at the Cambridge Autonomous Metro, where I've had to uh, develop talents and skills in in transport planning, which I never knew I had. Um, so I, I, I've done an awful lot of different things. And one of the nice things about um, that kind of broad, uh, broad approach to, to stuff is you come across some very interesting ideas and people come to you with new suggestions for businesses as I was discussing one today with somebody. Um, so th- that's really what I do. I, I kind of network with people, enjoy talking to them, finding out what they do. And occasionally we get together and we build something new. Mm. And if I could ask on that, you said you've done so many things and I've, I've seen that on your profile, but how do you know when you want to put your time into something? What's that you know level to say, okay, this is enough of an idea to say, let me put my time and energy into building something? Um, well, partly it's the person or the people, the team on the other side. Uh, and I'll start with that because really the people on the other side are the most important. Um, uh, if, if they really demonstrate that they understand what they're trying to do, they've got drive. Um, mm. For example, Jonathan Milner, who was the uh, chief executive of Abcam, I used to describe as being able to walk through walls. And you want you want somebody who can walk through walls. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's that's I think probably the biggest issue for me. I've got to be fired up about the idea. Um, mm-hmm. It's got to be interesting. And and I have a weakness. 
real weakness. It is I'm not really then looking at the market size. I'm mm. just really keen on the idea. So that's led me into some uh, possibly ill-advised things about bits of tech and so on, which have been fine, but, you know, in terms of return on my time may mm. not have been the best. Yeah. Um, and then I'm just generally intrigued by the possibilities and, and um, working, with, working with great people. Okay. Um, that's, that's really what fires me up. Okay, no, that's great. That's very interesting. So obviously this pandemic has come and we're kind of easing out of it a little bit uh, from a business sense. Um, so have there been any major pivots that your companies have made uh, because of this pandemic? Oh, I, all my companies have changed radically with, okay. this, with this pandemic, everybody. I, I mean, the, 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 the big disasters, of course, with the pandemic are things like pubs, mm. um, where we've, we've actually had to restructure completely um, a pub called The Pint Shop, which we'd invested in. And it's great, great um, restaurant and pub um, in Cambridge and Birmingham and so on, but you know it it doesn't survive this kind of mm. this kind of crisis. Mm. Um, so we've restructured that. Um, and similarly, we've got a restaurant in London called Bocca di Lupo. It's got a gelateria called Gelupo. Um, all of that has has had to be redone for the restaurant and the gelateria, the ice cream uh, place. Um, we basically moved to um, first of all closed down, um, and then. Having thought about it, we then started to do home deliveries because everybody was locked up mm. and sitting at home. And one of the great things to do is eat ice cream. Yes. Mm. Um, at one point, one point we were we were delivering, I think, five times as much ice cream as we normally sell in a week. Wow. Um, you know, so so that was that was that was good. And the other thing was we developed um, with the restaurant the we kind of pre pre-prepared bits of food so people didn't have to do all the prep. Mm. And then we packaged that up and packaged that up with wine and so on. And then you could actually cook your own Bocchetti Lupo meal. Oh, um, okay. yeah, yeah. And so we, we, we sent that out. So, so we've actually restructured and redone those things. And that may lead us into new business models. Mm. Um, we operate both the gelateria and, and the restaurant. And then we've, we've, of course, we're going to be reopening um, at the beginning of September, uh, I hope. Mm. Um, uh, and, of course, we are going to have to completely change the way in which the restaurant operates. Um, mm. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of planning gone into that, and a lot of plexiglass and all sorts <laughs> of stuff, oh, cleaning yeah, yeah. and all sorts of bits and pieces. Right. So, so that's, one, that's, that's, that's at the extreme end. Mm. At the other end... Um, there are companies where essentially nothing has changed in terms of the market. Um, let's take a focal point positioning, which um, is revolutionizing the way in which you um, can determine the position of a mobile phone. You know, if you come out of, a, out of the metro system or something, subway, and you look at your phone, it doesn't tell you where you are and the phone is the wrong way around. Mm. We can give you that instantly right? Um, if you're doing a marathon or doing any running, you'll know that your fitness watch uh, doesn't tell you where you've actually gone and will completely mess that up for you. Mm. We can tell you accurate to within a, a couple of meters in five kilometers, exactly wow. where you went. Um, and we can also uh, deter spoofing. So if you've got um, uh, one of the 
the issues is, you know, if you're in a, if you're in New York City or something, you get lots of reflections. You don't know where you are mm. um, because the satellite can't pit, you can't pinpoint the satellites because of the reflections. We eliminate all of that. So mm. we we, we but th- those kinds of things can easily be done by remote working. So we've reconfigured to do remote working. And for some of the companies, essentially, um, they like remote working so much, we're going to give up the main offices and go to hot desking and flexible working in the future. So, mm. so that's, that's one thing. And then, of course, so the, the, the group of companies where, um, for example, I've got a, a company in artificial intelligence, drug discovery, where we listed out the about 50 drugs that would deal with COVID, mm. and we published those in March. And then we, uh, we've, we've then subsequently found that they've all gone into uh, randomized control trials around the world. Mm-hmm. And we've demonstrated to the rest of the world that actually using machine learning and artificial intelligence, we were able to work out which drugs would be effective against COVID. And now, of course, the pharmaceutical companies are all beating a path to our door because instead of having to go through elaborate literature searches and stuff, we actually have models of the drug, the disease, the cell, and we, that we can use those models to actually work out which drugs are going to be effective. So that's a company where we were actually just happened to be positioned to take advantage of COVID rather than just coping with it. Wow. The environment where we are here, uh, you're talking about restaurants. I mean, the restaurants here, they, uh, they've always tended to do a takeout and uh, serving you know, food in the restaurant. And I think maybe traditionally restaurants tended to just be a place where you go to the restaurant you eat. But I think here yeah. across the board, it tends to be like they've always had this kind of reliance on, uh, you know, uh, expanding their income stream mm. and not just relying right. on uh, sort of uh, footfall, let's put it that way. Um, it depends what you're trying to offer with mm. a restaurant. You see, if, you, if you're if you offering an ambiance, if, you know, it's the environment in which you're sitting, whether it's inside or outside or however it's being done and it's the service and it's the entire package, mm. then that's a different thing because the food is the food. Mm. Uh, I won't downplay the buck of food. It is mm. the best Italian, some of the best Italian food I've ever eaten. It's just fabulous stuff. But um, the, the there's also the atmosphere. That you you and you don't get that when you deliver at home. So it is a big jump, and the big jump I think, as far as Bocker is concerned, is to think about well, what is it that people are getting? Well, actually, what we can we, we can sell them, what we can give to them is an insight into how this food is actually cooked, mm. and so you can put your own imprint on it, so you get some value from doing that, and um, and that's that that I think is really. Is rather better than just having a simple takeaway that you kind of heat up. You know, I, I think it's it's nice. We've got a we've got a YouTube channel, so it's mm. nice then to get some of the ambiance, get some of the enthusiasm that we've got for the food, and get that delivered as part of the YouTube channel that helps you cook the food when you get it, and actually you prepare it, and you you can be proud of what you've done. So mm. it's a it's a it's a it's a synthesis, which is. Going back to my point about the team, one of the one of my big points about teams is if you talk to people who are pitching to you and you tell them things and then they come back with an idea that neither you nor they had thought of previously, but is better than what you uh, both of you thought of, that's that that is the big tick. That's what makes me invest. Mm. Mm. 
And I bet uh, with COVID and, you know, obviously good luck with all your trials, uh, you know, for your, for your company. And, and it sounds like you, you could, you know, maybe you're going to be compounding in some, some huge ways in terms of revenue if, if, if all, some of these take off. Um, but I suppose COVID has um, kind of really added a, a stress in terms of the strategic uh, top management like how do you manage your investments? You know, what's the push and pull that's happened? And But on the other hand, thanks to technology, uh, it looks like you have a very efficient way of conducting your communications. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm very lucky in a sense that, um, uh, you know, most of the companies, well, most of the companies I invest in are, are about innovation. So the, the teams want to innovate. When they're presented with a challenge like COVID, mm their response is to innovate. It's very different if you're in a big corporate or something where you know everything's very ponderous or um, or if you're in a company where you're not familiar with the technology, the kind of thing that we're using here to talk across several thousand kilometers mm-hmm. um, and we just take it as natural, you know. Um, the, the, the getting, to, getting to grips with that for some people is actually quite tricky. They mm-hmm. don't. And, and the COVID then challenges you to think, well, what is the essence of my job or what is the essence of what the company is doing? How can I do that remotely, for example? Um, And I'm going to need to start to use SaaS products and um, various other systems that perhaps I had been thinking about doing, but I'd never quite got round to doing because there was never the pressure. And then suddenly there's the pressure. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of my companies had already made a lot of those transitions and so just going to homeworking was, was not such a big deal. Other than, and this is a really important point, um, it depends what your home is like. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, if, if you're sitting there in a bedsit yeah, yeah. Um, with no outside space, that is quite a different matter to somebody who might have a, a place, in, place in the country. Sure, sure. Look, you and I, we've known each other for 30 years when I first started my work journey. Um, and um, obviously for our listeners, this is a, a chat about money, finance and investing. You've built up so much experience, you know, serial uh, investor and you've had so much uh, success along the way. And you've known so many people, thoughts and ideas, and you've, you've actually had, you know, money uh, skin in the game because you've, you've, you've invested yeah. in actual real businesses and you've had a huge impact. So the $64,000 question is... So what would your advice be to someone, you know, coming out of uni in the time like this, trying to, you know, pursue a career simi- similar to yours? It's And youngsters in general. Yeah, I mean, what, what, mm. what, what do the youngsters need to do to, to yeah, survive? Now, now I, I, think, I think, first of all, um, is it, is it possible to pursue a career similar to mine? Let's, let's pick that one up first. Because my life has been marked by uh, serendipity um, mm. and in the proper sense of happy chance, you know, from the land of serendip, which is Sri Lanka. Um, mm. You know, the, the, um, I've, a, lot of my, a lot of stuff that's happened to me is pure fluke, pure accident right? From the very moment when I was walking down a school corridor and I had a free break and the 
careers master didn't have people to come to a presentation by somebody from post office telecommunications who gave a presentation and I then applied for a post office studentship and I got paid to go to university and then I met a whole load of people mm. and then I got exposed to telecommunications of which then I, you know, and, and through that I met some other people and then I started analysis and, you know, blah, 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 right. Mm. All, all of that stuff or abcam where by chance, I sat next to a researcher on breast cancer who was coming to the end of his research contract, and we talked about the idea of selling antibodies over the web. Mm. And then out of that has come a $2.5 billion company, right? Mm. So those kinds of things, if I was going to give a bit of advice, it is um, – if if somebody if somebody in you, you, if you meet people show an interest in them find out about them mm. um, and, and, and it's a deep interest don't, you know you're not just just passing the time of day if somebody phones you up in the middle of a supermarket he used to work with and asks you for advice about whether to invest in gyms or not <laughs> spend a bit of time with them to to to, to have a chat because yeah. you never know you never know where this stuff leads right so you never know where it leads so just just make sure that you you, you keep your networks right. Um, keep your keep your networks going, and 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 just just follow things up, you know, mm. um, and be optimistic um, because good things will happen. Um, doesn't mean to say you don't cover off the risk, but mm. and just understand things. Bad things can happen. But in terms of coming out of um, coming out of university, I'm reminded that Bill Clinton, um, when he went to when he went to Oxford kept a list, a paper list, of everybody he had ever met. Wow. Mm. Wrote down who they were, what their interests were, just made sure that he accumulated that list and continued that. And, in fact, he's not the only uh, person who's become president of the United States who's done precisely that, Mm. right? And I I think if there's one thing – I thought you might you you, you might be expecting me to say, well, go into entrepreneurship, (laughs) do this, do that. No, no, no. No, it's it's about your attitude to other people. Yeah. Just make sure that you show interest in other people, genuinely try to understand them, understand all the differences about people, because every boy, you meet some different characters. Mm. Um, and be be interested in that and make sure that you retain that knowledge about them, right? Mm. Just just keep I, I have um I think I've got about eleven or twelve thousand contacts on my phone. <laughs> Um, so that's the kind of level that you, you're going to need. I mean, I'm ancient now, so I've accumulated that, but I remember even at analysis when we, when we were doing that consultancy stuff, Mm. I remember when we got to 5,000 contacts at analysis of people that we knew on the database, the central, big central database. Um, and, and I was so excited and I, I, I realize now why I was so excited is because all those people mean there are loads of possibilities of things you can do. And mm. that's what you need to bear in mind. Mm. Absolutely. No, no that's, that's, uh, that's very clear. And, uh, and it's not the answer you were expecting. No, no. <laughs> because, you, Jay. But, but, but the, so, yeah. so let me, let, if I can be a bit more, a, a bit more conventional mm. about the kind of answer, because in terms of investment and, and creating a career, I think one of the things in your 20s you need to do is actually hone, hone, hone and consolidate skills. You're mm. still 
trying to find out the way the word world works. I've seen a number of people who are trying to become entrepreneurs in their 20s. Yeah. For some people, that might actually work. They've mm. got the natural hustle. They can make that work. That is not necessarily the way that works for everybody. And personally, as an entrepreneur, I'm a relatively late developer. I mean, I started in my early 30s. Mm. Um, and I was always you know, worried about doing that kind of thing. Uh, and some people will start even later than that. Um, but you need to have got the experience in how organizations work and how people function um, in order to be able to make judgments about how you're going to build a business, what will work in a market, mm. and 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 either either investing or actually creating a company involves an enormous amount of understanding about how the world works and mm. how businesses and markets work. And you don't get that those kind of that kind of experience and skill overnight. Mm. You can do it in a narrow area, perhaps. Yeah, and you could be lucky. You know, if you're a games developer or something like that, you know, you really ever since the age of thirteen, you've been playing games and you really understand it. You understand the programming. You've probably got a decent shot at doing something in your twenties. Yes, but most of the time, that's not the case. No, it's interesting you say that uh, in the twenties because I mean that's a good way of breaking it down and. All the things that you said absolutely make sense. You know, networks, being positive, uh, and 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 paying attention. But the other thing I was thinking of is also like skills and skill building. Um, you know, the the youngsters. Going back to the question, I mean, they're going to have to start from somewhere. They're going to have to, you know, uh, launch into some activities. You know, in the tw- I mean, that's what you're going to have to do, Jay. And then this all kind of builds up in, 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 in your 20s, 30s, 40s and, and so on. So I think, I mean, if, again, I'm only reflecting on myself as an employee. You know, I didn't take substantial risk in my life. I took a little bit, but, you know, broadly speaking, just an employee. Um, uh, so, but I guess what what can serve people well is if they just continue to be aware of their skill set and then they try to improve upon the skill set, keep building and then keep ensuring that they're adding value to the audience, uh, uh, whoever they're working for. Because Yeah, I, I, I think that that point about building, building skills is really important. Um, I've, uh, I mean, I don't know if you remember analysis, but certainly after you left, I was... I, I became very much more keen on training programs and training mm. people up. Um, I did, I suppose in my career, I've done eight or 10 um, training programs in addition to doing my, my degree and my PhD and all the other bits and pieces that I've done. Um, and they, they have been really, really important. Um, you know, I've done accounting, presentation skills, media training, how to recruit people, sales stuff, you know, blah, 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 right? All of these things I can, uh, negotiating skills, I've got the book sitting behind me, mm. the negotiating skills. Um, all of those things have contributed to my ability to then actually assess in a, um, assess possible investments, assess people, mm. understand how to do things. Um, and so, uh, and, and I, I mean, it's a truism to say you never stop learning, mm. Um but you really should never stop learning and you should never stop being curious. You should be yeah. reading 
uh, certainly in your 20s and 30s, lots of management books, most of which are contradictory, most of which have crazy ideas, most of which are nonsense, but there are some insights that you'll get from it. And and as you accumulate all of that you and, and do training courses, understand the tech, you know, for heaven's sake, if you're going to go into investments, you better have done something in accounting because if you can't read a balance sheet properly yeah. and don't know the DNL and cash flow, you are going to be in mighty big trouble, mm. right? So you 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 have to do those things. There's a whole load of bits of bits of experience, expertise, kit that you need to be able to do what you what you're going to end up by doing, and and don't stint on it. Don't yeah. think that somehow you can float over the surface of this stuff. I bet you Warren Buffett never floated over the surface of anything, right? Yeah, that was very good. I appreciate that um, a lot, actually. Uh, On investing, you just touched on that. But how are you working with your children with investing? Um, Well, um, so uh, the uh, our daughter, the youngest, uh, is a medic. Um, She was thinking about doing something with. Actually, you'll smile at this. It was uh, to do with personal training and gyms. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my my contribution to that was to encourage her because I thought that's what she, you know, she it was interesting and could go somewhere mm. um, in the way that she was she was attempting to do it. Um, but I wrote in my real contribution to that was to write into the investment contract um, a clause in such a way that we could get out of it if we needed to yeah. without, without too much problem. And indeed, that clause was invoked and it all it all sorted itself out very nicely. Very good. Um, so that's, that's my daughter. Um, the two sons are um, uh, the middle child, that's Matthew, is currently working with me about a couple of days a week or so. Mm. He's chief exec of a... Uh, online booking company that, that that does appointments. So they've got appointments running with the appointment systems running with the NHS in the UK and various banks and people like that. So that um, it, and his he's got a rather nice uh, system based on based on the idea that an appointment is about communication. It's not about the date in the diary. Hmm. And um, but he's doing a couple of days a week with me, and we we coach companies through. Um, we've, you know, for example, in fact, he was just about half an hour ago talking to somebody based in New York, who's a chief exec of a company that we're backing and we've been mentoring for a while. And he's taken over a lot of the role in mentoring, um, these companies and helping. And he does a lot of the spreadsheet analysis work that enables me to then get on and do other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting a bit too long in the tooth, I think, for doing lot, too much spreadsheet. Yes, to, to, uh, it's fine, but I'm, I know I've, for some reason I'm not as enthusiastic about spreadsheets as I used to be. Um, and then the uh, then the the elder son uh, runs a, a company called Future U, which is does nutraceuticals, so things like turmeric and vitamin mm. D and a Terranon, which is a tomato pill and omega three mm. oils and stuff like that, and does that online. And he's been developing that country, company that that's going fabulously well. Um, and uh, I occasionally, probably about three times a year, maybe four times a year, have a chat with him and his chairman. Um, he, it's a bit more arm's length because, you know, he's his own man. But we, we have chats about how he's doing and what the strategy is and so on. So um, 
he helps me with that investment in the sense that I've invested in him to to build a company. So um, that's 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 the way that works. It's it's quite flexible. No, so in terms right. of that question, into um, with your own children, how is the kind of mentoring being uh, in terms of? what is an investment and, you know, how do you look after your money and, and all those sorts of things, because obviously life is risky and lumpy. Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, I mean, it, when, when you start out with that, um, particularly with Matthew, who's been working me on, with on the portfolio investment, so effectively the family office, mm-hmm. um, you know, when that started, um, it was me teaching him a lot of stuff, you know, uh, that's and he's he's learned an awful lot. I remember... We, we we did a bit of M&A activity. We actually, um, we, we helped sell a company run by people I knew in Cambridge. And we they, they told us the price they wanted, which was, a, gosh, you really think you're going to get that? But I'm actually getting the price that they wanted for it. Um, but, but in order to do that, at one point, I had to effectively on the phone with Matty. Matty was in the room, and I can see the chair where he was sitting in at the time, um, literally take the take the, the purchasing party literally to the edge of the cliff and pretend to push them off, right? And the, the other side said, well, if you're going to behave like that, then that's the end of the discussion. Mm. You know, literally, Matthew was had his head in his hands and was rocking to and fro in the seat, thinking, what on earth is his father doing? But but I then I knew what I was doing because I, I, I pulled the thing back mm. and we did the deal. Um but it was a good demonstration to him about how to do negotiations, yes, you know, yes. just, 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 if you know, I was taking a bit of a risk, of course, you know, think about it, but there we go. Uh, but, but you, you, you can, you can take, you bring your kids in, take them through actually, you know, some really fairly, fairly tough, tough negotiations to show them how that works. Of course, he's now mentoring me. He now tells me stuff. So that's mm. fine. That's wow. great. Uh, I guess um, that's interesting because it's like your children have really got really involved with you in the businesses and especially uh, your boys um, and, then, and then your daughter with the, the other business. But in terms of that spectrum of um, passive to enterprising, do, do you think you'll ever in the future – Take the foot off and say, "Right, I'm I'm now ready to be just a pure passive, uh, defensive investor," and and I, I don't oh, want to. Well, that, that, yeah, that 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 move from that move to being more passive and defensive is happening, and it's it's been happening over the last three or four years. Um, so Matthew has been now runs the family meeting where he analyzes all the investments. He and I go through. We we assess where we are. What we think the prospects are, we you know we weight the portfolio and work out how much we think everything is worth, depending on various various scenarios. And then he, he my wife and I sit down and he runs that meeting and runs through and uh, does does that. So and out of the list of investments, um, there are you know there's a handful, literally five or so, where I'm actually actively involved. The rest are we're monitoring and he's looking after it and asking them questions and we're having to take decisions based on the information that he's gleaned about the company because all companies come back and want additional money. So you have to have a response ready. Are we going to, you know, maintain our position? Are we going to increase our position? Are we going to let this one go? 
you know, are we going to sell down? I mean, I've, I've been very lucky. I've actually had some a couple of rounds of secondaries. So where people have been so eager to invest in companies that I've invested in, I've been able to sell some of the stake that I built up in the company and recovered my original investment, leaving me with all my existing shareholding as being free money. Anything I gain then is is actual gain. That's amazing. So, um, yes. you know, and so, uh, and and so, uh, Matthew runs that, runs runs the whole of that, really, mm. and it's mm. been great because I can, you know, can spend time having chats like this. <laughs> well, uh, one thing that intrigued me was about the serendipity and and, and you know happy mm. accident. Now, there is a sense in which my own observation about things and what I'm trying to teach, uh, take Jay through is that you've got to have a plan and it, you know, the question about the youngsters and, and the advice you were giving. My sense is that actually all of this that we're talking about means, you know, please to the audience, have a plan, start with something and be intentional in terms of where you put your efforts and your ideas. Uh, because, the, the trouble with investing is uh, I prefer the defensive route. So I like passive income and, and it, yep. it grows and, and the stock market grows over time. And it's a 10 to 30 year project where I hope to get those decisions right. And then in the next 30, when I stop working, you know, it's going to keep growing and, and there's a sensible drawdown. Um, and so I have to get the right decisions in that first 10 to 30 years and not make too many mistakes, you know. Um, so so in terms of, I like the idea of serendipity. I think it's excellent that you keep your eyes open, you, you keep your awareness around you. But I also like the idea that, you know, I hope the youngsters do think about making a plan, even writing ideas down, uh, compartmentalizing in terms of the next five years and having a vision, let's say, for yourself and sense a little bit. Yeah, well, I think you're right. And I think that the advantage that the youngsters have over oldies like me is that they can see the future much more clearly and they see where trends are emerging. Mm -hmm. um, I remember being able to see that in my 20s, going back to this, this point about your 20s, in your 20s, you're, you're wide open to what's going on and you see things emerging. And because they're fresh, um, you're treating them as, you know, real knowledge and real things. But the time you get kind of my ancient age, something comes along and you've seen something like it before so you just, you go, okay, well, I've seen something like this before. I'm not really sure if this is novel or not, and I'll wait and see and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, and actually, you've missed a trick. Mm. So all the stuff where I was really seeing big trends and changes in the environment were when I was in my 20s and 30s, and then I could see all those things. So I think there's a huge advantage in, in, in investment and thinking about what you're doing in your 20s and 30s by – riding the waves that you think are going to be the future because you're better at doing that than somebody who's in the 50s or 60s. Mm. And I think the, 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 the other thing about the plan, I mean, I, for anybody in their 20s and 30s, having a long-term plan that's going to take you into your 50s, 60s and 70s really 
I don't think most people in their 20s really think like that, mm. you know. I mm. really don't. Mm. I, I certainly didn't. But on the other hand, uh, laying down the groundwork for having an interesting career and being able to do have interesting opportunities, I think is important. And it's it's having the options. I mean, the worst thing in life is to find you don't have options. Mm. And I think one of the things you need to do, whether it's an investment or in anything else, is to make sure you've created options for yourself so that you can later on in five years' time or 10 years' time, in the way you were describing it, you know, I'll, I'll have built up something so that I can then decide what I want to do. I don't need to do any work. Mm. You're creating options for yourself, and you need to think about it in, in those terms, I think. Mm. Well, look, you're not that ancient because there's not much of an age difference between you and me, so uh, don't, don't keep saying that. Um, and <laughs> so, uh, I think it's been fascinating speaking with you, and um, thank you for this uh, chance. Right, and we're at the top of we're at the top of the hour, so I really am going to have to go. Perfect timing, Jay. Very nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Uh, nice I hope this too. goes well. Um, I hope you get a lot of hits on this one. Um, <laughs> anyway, best of luck and stay in touch. Thank you, David. We'll thank do. you. We'll do. Who knows? Take care. Who knows what? Who knows? Who knows what happens in the future? Absolutely. All right. Definitely. Take care, David. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I do hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did recording it. A big thank you to David Cleveley for giving us some of his time to ask a few questions. I really do appreciate that. You can check him out on Twitter at David Cleveley or on his website, cleveley.com. Both will be linked in the description of this episode. You've been listening to The Financial Father and Son, where we explore the various ways the younger generation can achieve financial independence. Take care, guys.